0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the episode 322 of the TIC Bootcamp Podcast. The title of today's interview is From COVID to Lime, an interview with Tiffany Perez, my good friend, and my name is Rosemary Estrella. I am so honored, so grateful for being chosen as a special guest co-host for this episode. Thank you, Matt for the invitation and without further ado here is Tiffany Perez hello Tiffany Tiffany Perez I want to welcome you to the TIC boot camp and um, thank you for you know taking some time from your busy time because she's a bus lady let me tell you (laughs) And Tiffany, welcome and thank you for being here. As Matt already told you, this boot camp, it's about helping others. I know you can identify when you probably first got diagnosed, like me too. We feel like lost. So I really want to thank you for being here and share your story with us. So Tiffany Perez, right now you're
1: 35 years old, right? Yes. Don't remind oh. me. <laughs> no, sir. Right. I still feel young. I still feel young. So that's you, know, it. you live to funny <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> so you are from New Jersey. Yes. Do you
1: grew up in New Jersey? Yes, I was born and raised in Patterson, New Jersey. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you lived there your whole life? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Until after college, I moved to Miami for like maybe a year and then I came back to Jersey again. So yeah, I've, I've always pretty much been out here. It, a definite uh, Jersey girl.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, awesome. And um, so Tiffany, you got sick, and your story—it's—I uh, don't know if you ever heard of something similar to her, but when I was like reading about her story, I was like, wow, her story is like pretty unique. I uh, never heard of anything like that before, so it's very, very interesting. Um, so you got sick when you were thirty-four. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And before you got sick, I know you are. Tiffany is a tattoo artist, correct? Yes. Yep. <laughs> tattoo artist. It, it, it. Was that one of your dreams to come, a uh, tattoo artist, or you had other dreams?
1: Oh, I the tattoo artist, uh, thing never was in my mind. I was actually going to college. I went to Montclair State University. I was going there to be an art teacher. Um, and maybe around, I think it was my junior year, my father actually bought me a, a tattoo machine and that's where the whole idea of tattooing came about. Cause he was saying like, oh, you should, you know, get into different types of art. You should be like, try doing, you know, tattooing. That's where the money's at, you know, and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, but at the time I just never had tattoos. I never even stepped foot into a tattoo shop. So that was like, I was a little skeptical at first, but. Um, Once I kind of like, you know, tried teaching myself, I started to grow a little passion about it. And I I said to myself, okay, I think I want to do this and give this a try, but like learn the right way. So I ended up doing an apprenticeship during college. And then after college, I was just like full time tattoo artist and um yeah I never became an art teacher but wow <laughs> the tattooing was way more fun <laughs>
0: it's funny how it's connected because you were studying art and tattoo is art yes yes definitely So you really needed it to you know it's it's, yeah. it's
1: amazing because you kind of were like in the right path <laughs> exactly it, it, it was like hand in hand it came hand in hand and it's pretty good that I went to school for our education anyway, because now I'm like teaching other apprentices how to become a tattoo artist. So I try to like, remember what I've learned and incorporate that into like the tattoo industry and, and the teaching. So yeah, it kind of comes hand in hand anyway.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So at the time uh, that you got sick at 34, were you a tattoo artist already? I was, yeah. Mm-hmm. oh okay so basically you're becoming sick did it interrupt any of your goals uh besides, besides becoming or being a tattoo artist do you have other goals that because of your sickness you couldn't pursue uh
1: no n- not necessarily it, I mean it, I do have my own business my own tattoo shop so that affected the business aspect of it but Okay, only that part.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So Tiffany,
0: I want you now to like describe for us your story of how you got sick, how you got Lyme disease.
1: Okay, so this is um, pretty interesting. And I, I guess I might have some questions for you guys as well later on. But um, So what happened was in December, I caught COVID and I was out of work for two weeks. Um after two weeks I went back to work for one day and the next day I woke up with Bell's palsy. So the right side of my face was completely paralyzed. I couldn't blink my eye. I had to wear an eye patch at night. I couldn't even speak. I was slurring because my mouth was like drooping. Um and this was very weird for me because at the time they were saying that um a lot of people who had COVID or, or got, I'm sorry, that got vaccinated. Yes. I was having so- uh, I- Bell's pause. I- yeah. Yes. And I never was, I never was vaccinated. So I was really oh. confused. Yeah. So that morning when I woke up and saw my face, I went to urgent care. Urgent care ended up telling me to go to the hospital because that same year I actually had a stroke um, and I was you know, still kind of recovering from that. And they thought that maybe we should weigh out the options and, you know, get a CAT scan and MRI and all that stuff. So they sent me to the hospital. I go to the hospital. um, I was there for, that was the worst experience. They were not helpful at all. They didn't do any tests. They didn't do any blood work, nothing. They just gave me a Tylenol. (laughs) And told me to go see my primary doctor. So, <laughs> um, the only thing that the doctor there at the hospital said is he he did mention like, oh, I I might order um uh, blood work to check out for Lyme. He was like, but I don't think that's what it is. And then when they were sending me home, um, I I mentioned that because I didn't get the blood work done. They said, oh no, he said never mind, just to follow up with your primary. So I go to my primary doctor. Um, he didn't test me for anything either, but he did put me on um antibiotics for maybe like I think 10 days or something like that um he gave you antibiotics just cause just yeah well yeah he said he was saying that you know sometimes after COVID people have lingering um effects and just to give it time but that he'll put me on antibiotics and prednisone just to kind of help with like inflammation and what I was feeling and so I did that um And nothing was happening. I just kept getting worse. And that's where the Lyme disease symptoms really started to kick in. So I started to feel, I felt like I had arthritis times 10 or something. I couldn't even go down the stairs. I couldn't, couldn't get out of bed. But I think the worst symptoms was really the brain fog. Um, And I felt like it was so bad that I was like hallucinating. Um, Mm. And I got really scared uh, to the point where I, I, went back to urgent care again, because I felt like I might not wake up in the morning the next day, because it just takes over your body. You feel like it's shutting down. But um, long story short, I actually went to a different doctor this time around, and he tested me for Lyme. And two days later, he called me and told me like, yeah, you you tested positive for Lyme disease.
2: Tiffany, I want to jump into a quick and ask you a question. So what's super interesting about your history is You were, and correct me if I'm wrong, you were healthy and quote unquote normal up until your early thirties when you had a stroke, correct?
1: Technically, no. Um, (laughs) I've always struggled. I've always been sick since I, literally since I was born, I was sick. Um, And a lot of my issues though, are more sinus related. I have a lot of sinus issues, always getting sinus infections. And that kind of just like messes up everything else in, in my body, including like the stomach, because I'm always on antibiotics. So, I was struggling a little bit with that. Um, but that's the only thing. I mean, I, prior to the Lyme, I did feel like I was in a better place physically. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I've always kind of struggled here and there with um, feeling ill.
2: Let me pose a question for you, Tiffany. And this is a hard question to think about, but thinking about your history, your childhood, et cetera, we now know that Lyme disease can be congenital, meaning it's given from mother to daughter or mother to child. And the fact that you've been sick your whole life, especially with these chronic sinus infections. And I can tell you, when I first got sick with Lyme disease, one of my recurring symptoms were sinus infections. I mean, many, many, many per year. And I was on antibiotics over and over and over again, to the point where I'm like, this can't be good for me, right? It destroyed my gut. And I finally been able to overcome that once i properly treated the root cause and Lyme and some other, other, things going on in my body, viruses, et cetera. So I wonder if your body, because don't forget, 15% of the world's population has Lyme disease. They have antibodies to Lyme disease. It's when other things, whether it's stress, it's physical stress, emotional stress, other viruses, other, other illnesses in our body can make us become sick, right? Or become chronically sick with Lyme disease. Do you think you were harboring or managing Lyme disease possibly your whole life? And as maybe emotional stresses physical stresses and additional illnesses came on viruses things like that it just compounded until you got sick in your 30s because it's interesting that you were sick your whole life where you were getting sick all the time you had sinus infections and then it sort of boiled up when you were 30 years old
1: yeah that's where I'm confused is because I never saw a tick bite or mark on me and then I had COVID and I was like, literally, I was not outside at all. I was home for like over a month. So where did this whole tick bite come from? Like, So I think the virus like maybe flared it up and then it became Lyme or, you know, I thought about that too, because my sinuses were really bad uh, when I first found out about the Lyme disease. And I think about all these years that I've been sick, like, was it always dormant in my body? And I just never knew. And then the Lyme just kind of like really flared it up. I wonder that I'm, I'm not really sure, but throughout all my life, I don't ever remember getting bit by anything and I'm pretty observant. Like I always look at everything and I would have noticed that on my body. So I, I just don't know where this <clears throat> came from. But do you know that it can be
0: as small as a poppy seed? Yeah. Yeah. They can be so small. So you could have also gotten bitten where you were a child and not, mm-hmm. never knew about it. And you know, like, Uh, said this disease can go dormant in your body uh I didn't saw a tick on my on myself and I my my bite was like very it was on my leg like I could have seen if I had a tick in there and I yes like I never saw anything like I didn't see a tick until this time I have never seen a tick around my home where I'm think that's where I got bitten like in my um my back jar where I like to go a lot mm-hmm. uh, but I did got that bullseye, you know sign and um something very interesting that you say is that you view this this is differently because of that because you you didn't you know you never saw a tick by you never saw you know uh a take on yourself and um that you believe it could be
1: something that triggered it.
0: And then for you was COVID. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause like, why did it pop up like right after COVID once I, you know, made it to work, I two weeks being home and then I go back to work and then I'm right back home again. (laughs) Matt, did you get a tick? Did you have a tick bite?
2: I did. I actually, I'd never found the tick that was biting me. But now that I've done the research that I've done, I mean, I've been bitten since I was, Sick and diagnosed because I became more aware and started, you know, looking for them. And I do daily tick checks, mm-hmm. and I found numerous ticks biting me over the past couple of years, just from you know living. And where you are, Tiffany, New Jersey, there are many, many ticks in New Jersey, just like here on Long Island, New York. Mm-hmm. And the thing is with these ticks, n- you think you and, and to Ro- Rosemary's point. Not only are they super tiny, especially deer ticks. They are really, really small, especially the the nymph ones, the baby deer ticks. Mm-hmm. And when they bite you, they their saliva has properties that do certain things to the body. So when you're bit by a tick, they actually spit in this in their saliva. They have this property that is an anti itch property. So you're not going to itch. So you won't feel it. So it's almost like a, a local anesthetic when they bite you. It's an antihistamine. It's a it's it's all this crazy property, So it can go unidentified to get as much blood out of you as possible. So these ticks have evolved over time and they have all these advanced properties so most people don't even see a tick biting them unless they're actually doing active tick checks or happen to stumble upon it while showering or something like that. So in my case, Tiffany, I was constantly, you know, I was an avid runner. I'd be running in the woods. I'd be playing in leaf piles with my my niece who was a, you know, a baby at the time. Didn't know any better. Ticks love dark, moist environments, which is, you know, they say, if you have a pile of leaves, stay away. There's going to be ticks there. I was in piles of leaves. I was in the woods. I go to the beach and run in tall grass at the beach. I was in a lot of high risk areas, but I didn't know any better about ticks and tick-borne illnesses. So I believe I was bitten many times and just didn't know it because these ticks have so many properties to hide and they like to go in spots, you know, on your body that you don't really check more often. And with these, with these properties, I mean, many, many people get bitten, don't even know it. Right. But
1: can but, people, hold, like, well, I guess so many, many years, like their whole life, not even knowing that they have Lyme or yeah. do people usually feel some type of symptoms right away within the first week or the first month, even if it's very minor. You
2: know, it, it's such a great question to be in, and it varies person to person. We've interviewed over 300 people on this podcast. You are 300, I think in 17th interview or I don't want to say that wrong. No, you are 322nd interview. My goodness. So we've interviewed you're a 322nd guest. And some people get bit and within days to weeks become extremely sick, right? Other people get bit and they don't feel sick until 10 years later. And there's a lot of factors that go into that. We've interviewed a lot of specialists, doctors, geneticists, and your genetics play a role. Some people have genetic deficiencies, which make them more susceptible to get sick immediately from a tick bite, whereas other people have don't have those genetic deficiencies. They have stronger immune systems and they can manage the Lyme bacteria they can be sick and have the Lyme in them for, for decades and not get sick until something else is like COVID. And then all of a sudden, boom, they get chronically ill because COVID on top of Lyme, their body can't manage it anymore, which may have happened to you, which, which is what I believe happened to you, Tiffany, right? So really it does vary depending on your immune health, depending on if you have co-infections, because there are things like Babesia, Anaplasma, Ollichia, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, other things you can get with a tick bite. And a lot of these leaders like Dr. Rolls and Dr. Har would say, if you're bit by many ticks at once, you're likely to get sick pretty quickly. If you're bit by one tick, yeah, it may harbor for a while and come out down the road. If you're exposed to mold, which is, you know, suppresses your immune system. So if you're exposed to black mold in your home or your office and you get bit by a tick, you're probably gonna get sick pretty quickly because that mold suppresses your immune system. So there are a lot of different combinations that affect how people get sick after a tick bite. But I believe in your case, Tiffany, you were extremely healthy for the most part, managing this, right, other than getting your sinus infections, but you were living your life, you went to school, you got your degree, you were a successful tattoo artist, then the stroke hit you in your early 30s, which I really want to talk about more because it's super rare, in my opinion, for somebody in their early 30s to get a stroke, right? And we know from a lot of these researchers, like Dr. Alan McDonald, who's a pathologist and studies brain autopsies, right? And he studies brain samples from people that have chronic Lyme disease. And he finds a whole bunch of uh, spirochetes, Lyme bacteria, in these brain samples with other viruses and other parasites that work together to impact your brain. So if you don't treat Lyme disease, it can actually get into your brain and cause problems in in your brain. In fact, just yesterday, I believe it was Johns Hopkins, and I hope I'm not wrong, but it was uh, a university, a big university came out with a study showing they did a functional MRI. Because generally speaking, MRIs do not show good information about Lyme patients. But if you do a functional MRI, they show the differences in the white and gray matter in the brain. And they did a study of a group of chronic Lyme patients and a group of controlled, quote unquote, normal patients. And every single one of the chronic Lyme patients had drastically altered functional MRI results showing different activity and blood flow in their brain from the Lyme disease because it persisted for so long. And these researchers who are really the ones, you know, the leaders in the world researching Lyme disease, suspected this, but now they have the proof that Lyme, if it goes untreated for a long time, will get into your brain and can actually cause changes in your brain with blood flow that affect things like brain fog, like you had, right? So the biggest result of this study, Tiffany, was when you have these brain changes, the number one symptom is brain fog, pain, uh, joint pain, things like that. And, and that's very common. And we're seeing those types of things. So I think as time goes on, we're going to learn more and more and more. But I don't think your stroke was a coincidence, in my opinion. I think your stroke was Possibly the result of untreated tick-borne infections, maybe even congenitally, maybe you were born with it, right? Because in New Jersey, it's just so prevalent. And then that stroke compromised your body, but you were still healthy enough to kind of fight back. Then when you got COVID, it just, excuse my language, kicked your butt, right? Yeah. And then your body, then the line that was dormant all that time, and maybe your whole life, maybe 10 years, the line came out and had an opportunity to, to play because your body was so compromised. And then you became extremely sick, is my opinion. So what are your thoughts on that, Tiffany? I know you maybe had different views coming into this podcast, but what are your thoughts based on what I just shared with you, some of the, the leading research, and now looking at your history, do you think it's possibly had it longer and it just built up in your system over time?
1: Yeah. Um, well, at first, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I was, I told my mother, I was like, I had this COVID, then now I have Lyme disease. Like I'm so confused. Where did this come from? I was like, I think I breathed it in. Like just like COVID is is like man made. I feel like this Lyme was like I inhaled it and it <laughs> made me get it because I was just so confused uh, as to how that happened. But then I started thinking like, you know, I have always been sick my whole life, and I I didn't really know much about Lyme, so I'm wondering like if it did happen did I did I get bit when I was younger, and I've just been. It's just been dormant my whole life until COVID just flared it up again. Um, but I, I, I don't know. That's why I'm glad I'm here talking to you because I'm trying to figure it out. And then as far as the stroke thing, um, what you made, it was a valid point what you said, but they, the doctors told me that it was actually from um, being on birth control for a long time, or um, I used to uh, take these uh these shots called Dupixin to help with my sinuses. So um, they're kind of like thinking that maybe the both of them caused that. But either way, I feel like my whole, my body and my health was compromised. And then, you know, the Lyme disease had really just had a mind of its own and just taking over completely.
2: But I feel like Tiffany, so it's interesting because you had sinus issues, which may or may not have been connected to Lyme. I believe they were because it's very common with Lyme disease. You took something to help with the sinus infections, which maybe led to your stroke, right? So you're you're treating the symptoms of Lyme potentially caused the stroke, which made the Lyme worse, right? And we see this often in the Lyme community, especially when Lyme goes undiagnosed, right, and unrecognized. So many people treat with these Types of antibiotics, I believe they're called, you know, fluoroquenzines. And I'm I totally butchered the name. But basically there, it's a certain type of antibiotic. And when you use them, it's called you get fluxed. And what that means is your body, and, and this is out there, if you Google the word floxed, you'll see it's like a it's a big label on these antibiotics. Like leviquin is one of them, I believe. If you take leviquin, it can actually cause extreme muscle weakness, body weakness, body pain. And they don't know why, and they they don't know how to solve it, right? But many people take these types of antibiotics when they have Lyme to either treat Lyme or treat sinus infections or things like that. And then their symptoms become amplified as a result of damage from these antibiotics. So what you're describing, again, is not uncommon. It's doctors trying to help giving them a tool like leviquin or giving them a tool like what you got for your sinuses. And then boom, that could have triggered a stroke, right? Or boom, right. that makes you feel even worse, because this is like a black box warning saying, Hey, and some people that take leviquin, you get these really bad side effects. And, and I think that needs to be discussed more because people don't know the risks of things they're doing when they get these treatments from doctors. And, you know, and if I knew that I wouldn't have done, you know, I, I actually did took Leviquin several times, I would have never taken Leviquin if I knew that back then, right? Yeah. So, it's just really interesting. And just, uh, just a quick side note, also with the COVID piece of it, I know a neighbor growing up, literally my next door neighbor growing up, he totally healthy his whole life, wife, kids, again, living on Long Island, probably was bit a thousand times by ticks. He gets the COVID vaccine. And what happens? He starts, he develops Bell's palsy and he loses vision in one eye. And they can't figure out why, right? So they, now he's going to all kinds of specialists. He's in New York City, seeing the top neurologists, the top doctors. Finally, they tell him you have active Lyme disease. They start treating the Lyme disease. What happens? It took several months. Within several months, his vision came back and the Bell's palsy dissipated. They believe now he had had Lyme, which was dormant because he was healthy enough to manage it. The vaccine compromised his immune system where the Lyme came out to play, triggered all these neurological symptoms of Lyme. And when they treated it, the symptoms subsided. So your, your situation is not unique when it comes to COVID. I mean, that was the vaccine. You got COVID itself. But either way, they're still immune compromising making your body vulnerable for this dormant Lyme to come out and make you sicker. Right.
1: Yeah. makes sense. It makes sense.
2: Yeah. So I, I get off my soapbox. I'm sorry. I just wanted to share a lot of this with you. No, I think no, it's I, interesting it's, to think about
1: interesting. Yeah.
2: and I, I'm going to hand it back over to Rosemary because Rosemary's <laughs> I'm dominating and I apologize. You're doing far better than I am. So I'm going to shut up again.
0: <laughs> no, no. Thank you. Thank you for a talk. I'm not, la- uh, uh, I'm not the type of person to talk a lot. So uh, Tiffany, something very interesting. You were diagnosed by your cardiologist. Yes, I was. Wow. And, you know, uh, it makes me think of uh, myself as well. Like, why? Why did he came up with, oh, let me test you for lying. Like, I feel like they know something, (laughs) you know, because something happened to me. Like, when I went to the emergency room, they did, they did tests on me, like MRI, blood work, all the tests that you can think of. And the doctor said, we don't find anything. But okay. I'm just going to order a Lyme test out of the blue, like, okay. Yeah. And that's how they, you know, find out I got Lyme. So your cardiologist said, let's test you for Lyme. Yeah. Just like that. What happened after you got tested?
1: Yeah. So he um, he actually didn't feel that I because I did mention that the doctor at the hospital said he was going to test me for for Lyme and he didn't. So then that's when he was like, "Uh, I'll test you then. I don't think it is. But you have the Bell's palsy, so you can't just like just throw anything to the side. Like we got to we got to figure this out. And I like that oh. cardiologist because he's, he's going to try to find out the root of everything. So yes. he, um, he tested me for that and like other things too. Um, and then, yeah, two days later he called me and said, Hey, you have Lyme. We have to, we have to get you better now. <laughs> um, okay. It so took some time because I had the Bell's palsy. Um, and that wasn't like getting better. That was, it was very, very scary to go through. Um, but eventually I did, I did come through and now I can move my face. <laughs> Yay. So
0: what was his treatment approach?
1: Um, wow. I kind of forgot. I think it was maybe a different type of antibiotic because whatever they had me on wasn't maybe the right one. And it, it did have to, it was 21 days of antibiotics. And then he gave me a, like a bunch of vitamins to take, um, to help. With that, because he knows I'm like not really into medication a lot, so he gave me some vitamins to take. Um, and then about the third weekend is when I started to feel a little bit better. My joint pain started to go away a little. My brain fog started to, you know, get down a little bit. But yeah, it was a long, a long process. It felt like <laughs> very painful to go through too. Yeah. And it sucks because you're in this situation, and I felt like nobody around me had Lyme. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to put my business out on social media, but I was so desperate for answers that I, you know, a little bit here and there. And like, if anybody has answers, please help me um, figure this out. Um, but yeah, it was, it was very depressing and hard to go through. That's why I'm glad you guys are doing this. <laughs> Tiffany, can I ask a bunch of new things?
2: <laughs> I have a question for you, Tiffany. So uh, oftentimes, mine can impact so many relationships whether it's family whether it's intimate whether it's social professional so now you know you're you're sick and you're diagnosed you're sick at 34 you're diagnosed a little bit later and today you're 35 old in the last year or so you know how is this impacting your business I guess is the first question because you're running this this awesome you know as a tattoo artist you're running this awesome facility and now you know Are you married? Are you dating? Are you, you know, having relationships with your family, parents, cousins, et cetera? And how is it impacting your relationship with everybody? Because we know when you get sick, especially with things like you said, you had short-term memory loss, you were confused, you had neck pain, you were depressed, you were hallucinating. These are really scary symptoms. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes people in our lives can say, you know, maybe you're making that up. That seems a little like crazy, like all in your head, right? Or, oh, what's really going on with you? So I just talked to us about your relationships throughout this time and how they're impacted by your illness.
1: Okay. So, well, first thing was work. That messed me up a lot mentally because I couldn't work. My face was um, very distorted and I couldn't see out of my right eye. So obviously I can't tattoo and my eye is messed up and I can't see. So that put me in a a bit of a depression Um, and, and I run a business. So I was also very stressed during this time because I'm wondering like, how are things going at the shop when I'm not there? Is it going to fail? Am I going to have to close? Um, so those thoughts go through your head, and it kind of messes with you mentally, but as far as family, my family has been uh, very supportive and checking in on me trying to get me to come out the house or but I always felt like very insecure about my face and like my body you're just so unmotivated you don't want to get out of bed um and then, as far as relationships at the time, thank God I wasn't in a relationship because it probably would have failed <laughs> because I would would have probably said like you don't want to be with me because i'm always sick and my face looks ugly. So oh. that I wasn't involved, but I had um, a handful of friends that and during this time, it, it lets you it, it helps you to see who's really like your friend or there for you. So I had a couple of friends checking on me, come by the house to drop me off food or something just to kind of like lift up my spirits. But yeah, I mean, ugh, it's it's hard. You have to really try to be strong, because I think with anyone, if you feel really sick, um, you you start to you don't want people to feed off of your bad energy. Like I kind of just didn't want to be around people. Cause I felt so down and I felt like if I was probably in a relationship, it would have, it would have went downhill because of how I felt internally and mentally.
2: Did anybody doubt your illness? Because, you know, many people in the Lyme community get doubted that they're really sick, but in your case, possibly because you had a stroke and then COVID people had more of other things that have real well-known names to believe that you were sick right so I guess the question is were there any doubters thinking like are you really sick are you being dramatic is this is this just psychological did that ever come across you from any of your friends family members colleagues etc
1: no no because when they saw my face they knew (laughs) that this was serious you
2: can't can't fake Bell's palsy right
1: no not at all (laughs) Um, The only thing I was a little like bothered by were were clients. Um, Some of them were like trying to get their deposits back, um, thinking that like, it. I guess they didn't really see how serious it was for me. So that was a little stressful. But you know, I get it. I mean, they don't really know me on a personal level. And they're just seeing it more as like business, like I just want my deposit back since she's not going to be at work. So that was the only issue that I pretty much had.
2: When you started to get better, and even before you got really sick, and then as you started to make a little bit of progress, was it impacting your quality of work when you were able to work? Because as a tattoo artist, I imagine that requires immense concentration and immense skill to be very precise with what you're doing, right? I mean, that's like that's like a, an art all in itself. But when you have brain fog and you're having all these, these neurological symptoms, was the quality of your work impacted at all temporarily while you were sick?
1: Well, well hmm, not... Well, the lime because it happened more when I wasn't working the The very first. So the day before I ended up with Bell's palsy, I did notice that my eye was like tearing up a lot in the middle of the tattoo. And I had to stop multiple times through it because I couldn't see. So that like affected me. But I made sure not to go to work until I felt comfortable enough to tattoo. I had to make sure this eye was was in like almost 100 percent. So I don't think so. I think by that by the time I went back to work, which was over a month later that I was good enough to be able to, to work. I just was more like insecure. I'm glad we were still wearing masks because it like hid my face. Cause it was still kind of droopy. but, um, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so.
2: I think I was fine. What other vitamins were you on? You mentioned you were on antibiotics. I guess the first question is, you know, was it doxycycline? What kind of antibiotic was it?
1: Oh, I don't remember. Okay. I don't, uh actually what was it the doxy
2: doxycycline
1: it might I, I think yeah that sounds more familiar to me I think it was that one
2: yeah it's usually the standard for for Lyme but as far as the vitamins because you were on other vitamins to build up your body because you were so weak you said right and you're very you don't like a lot of medicine so your cardiologist recommended some vitamins do you recall what specific what vitamins specifically you were using were there any herbs or just what things were you using strategically to rebuild your body while treating with antibiotics
1: I'll be honest. I, I actually forgot. Um, but I know like for the COVID aspect, they had me on virus I think it was called it was like a mixture of different herbs to help boost up the immunity. I know that I was on vitamins for immunity to help that. Um, I think I was on zinc. Um, I there's there's a good vitamin called uh, lion's mane. I don't know if you guys ever. Yes. That really does help with anxiety and the brain. Um, it's by far my favorite vitamin, but unfortunately, because I'm, I have really bad allergies. I did um, get a little allergic reaction to it after like the two week mark, but I always recommend that one for everyone. Cause it's so good. It's my favorite. Um, the lime. Lion, lions, like a uh, lion's mane. Oh, li- yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's oh, a, yeah. it's a type of oh, mushroom. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. The, um, I'll I'll look back and see what it was. And I can always send it to you guys to share with other people. But um yeah, I mean, I think vitamins really do help a lot.
2: Yeah, t- Tiffany, if you can send us the link of what you used, we can drop it in the show notes since it helped you so much. So many line people suffer from anxiety. And did that help with anxiety while you were sick? That's a huge tool that we can put in the show notes to recommend to people on this podcast.
1: Yes, yes.
2: Yeah. So and, and a lot of these things, like you said, they're, you know, we're calling them vitamins, right? But when, when people think about vitamins that aren't really in the chronic Lyme world, they think of like, oh, I need to get my vitamin D up because I'm not in the sun enough, right? These are actual healing tools. They're they're mushrooms that help with anxiety. They're mushrooms help, which help build your immune system. These are herbs. These are these are basically grounded up herbs from all around the world that have healing properties equivalent to antibiotics. So you're treating with antibiotics and herbs for the COVID that are helping kill these viruses and bacteria, rebuild your system, and together you're using herbs, vitamins, mushrooms, and antibiotics. And within a month, you're feeling much better, it sounds like, right?
1: Yes, yeah. And then afterwards, um, I started doing other things, which I wish I would have done while I was like really recovering. But I remember my Lyme disease did flare up again a little bit after a couple of months, after twice, actually. And when that happened, I started to do... I was in the middle actually of a three month detox where like I'm drinking a gallon of juice, pressed juice a day. Um, It it was just, it was really intense. But when the lime flared up, I did like the sauna and I felt like that shortened it a lot. I noticed, but the Mm -hmm. sauna was rough because on a normal day, I mean, I could probably do like 25, 30 minutes depending on the temperature. But when I, my lime was like activated I would only be able to sit for five to ten minutes because I felt like my body was just going to shut down but I felt like it just really if it took a week to feel a little bit better it just took like three or four days so it did help a little bit the sauna um so that's just something I wanted to put out there just in case I don't know if you guys ever tried it Tiffany,
2: oh
0: my you... favorite I go almost every day in it oh yeah <laughs> yes. okay oh yeah my favorite thing sauna oh Yes. <laughs> do you
2: have one, Tiffany, of your own? Do you have like a a portable one in your house, or yeah, do you go? You...
1: One. Yeah, yeah.
2: Is a por- infrared yeah. sauna?
1: Uh, no, it's just you put water in this as bucket, and then the steam just kind of, and then you zip up, and your just head just sticks out at the top, and it just you know.
2: And you sweat, oh. right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I got it on Amazon. Oh. It's,
2: like
0: it's like in a chair. You sit inside, and then you know. You yeah, see. yeah. But my, I just connect it and then it comes,
1: the heat come. Yeah, you have to, the water, yeah. Hmm.
2: Okay. It's, Rosemary, it sounds like you have the infrared sauna and you know, both are yeah. both have been helpful. We've we've had people tell us they've used both. And you know, these studies show that the the heat, whether it's infrared sauna or whether it's the water, right? And, and that type of sauna, the heat actually helps your mitochondria which are the powerhouses of your cells. And they actually can help you fight off infections and fight off viruses, right? So as you're strengthening your cells and you're cleaning up your sluggish cellular space and it's just helping your lymphatic system go, it's helping your body just get everything moving again, right? By, by getting all that heat and infrared in your body. So it's also helping you detox. So whatever toxins you have from, you know, the environment, it helps you get rid of all that. So these saunas are really powerful tools to help you feel better with a variety of symptoms. And it's interesting that Tiffany, you're saying it would take you a week to recover. It would only take a few days if you were using the sauna, correct?
1: Yes. Yeah, so that's a great tip Significant difference. Yeah.
2: And I do want to so I want I want to come back to the detox in a second. But I also want to talk about the steroids. I'm going to back up a little bit. Because you were first put on steroids when you had the Bell's palsy before your Lyme diagnosis with your cardiologist, right? And steroids can help with pain, but they also weaken your immune system, which could make things worse. I'm curious what your thoughts are about the steroids, because they're kind of like a double edged sword. So in your case, did you have symptom relief? but then maybe think it made things worse in the big picture? Or, you know, what are your thoughts on steroids when it comes to treating Lyme disease or any kind of bacteria or infection when it suppresses your immune system, right?
1: So prednisone is like a cousin of mine. They always give me prednisone because I suffer from a lot of uh, sinus infections. Actually, I was on it maybe two months or a month prior to um, having Lyme because of a sinus infection. So it's really, it's really bad. Um, it, if you're on it a lot, it does ruin, it makes your immune system weaker because it's almost like dependent on, on that. So I do feel like it's the best thing to help me feel better really quick, but I'm trying to avoid it because it does wreck your immune system, especially if you're on it long-term. Um, I've even been on it where it has made my hair fall out in like clumps, because I remember I had a really bad sinus infection, they had me on it really long, and my hair was just coming out. And um, there was just a lot of like side effects that just ruined me. So does it
2: make you does it make you like sometimes people get like angry or rage, right? And Lyme rage is a thing. Also, when you have neurological Lyme, people get what we call Lyme rage, which is like this, this anger from Lyme disease. So do do you ever have any any like, sort of like, unusual bouts of rage that you think could have been contributed to either the steroids or Lyme?
1: Yeah, maybe the steroids, but it's more of like when I'm tapering off of them that, uh, my body is just trying to get back to normal. And I have like a little, um, I get a little irritable, but I do notice like when I first get on it, it does make me have so much energy um, and I feel like I'm able to think more clear. And then when I'm tapering off, that's when all the bad things happen. Hair falling out, uh, irritable, uh, emotional and depressed, like those things happen when I'm tapering off a of prednisone. Hmm. So like you said, double up like which little <laughs> <Hey. who's> here? <laughs> yeah. So you something
0: you're a thing, but then it's like you get other millions of side effects. Yeah, yeah. So it really does suck. Mm. So, Tiffany, it seems like you didn't have to do, well, compared to me and other uh, bootcamp cats that I heard, you really didn't have to do much to get better. And I think that's, you know, that's awesome. I mean, although you say you've been sick all your life, you seem to have a pretty good, strong immune system because all you did was take vitamins, antibiotics, esteroids. And that's it. And then you got better. And then you just started doing like, um, you know, the sauna. And you said electron plus. Can you explain what? but I never heard of that. Can you? Well, the, acupun-
1: the acupuncture. Electron, electron plus. It it might have been the acupuncture. So I I had to do uh, acupuncture where they put uh, like electrical yeah. currents at the end like your yeah. face. And so they were doing that for my immune system, my stomach, and and my face. And Um, I think it helped just a little bit. Uh, it is just overall, it takes a really long time. So I was doing that for about a month and then I just, I stopped, but anything that was going to help me to, and again, Matt, you kind of mentioned about the nervous system. I think that's important to get under control. I didn't know much about nervous system until after this and how important that is, but I was trying to do things like that can help me on that level, whether it was yoga or eating better or meditating or anything like that to kind of (laughs) help. Um, but as far as Lyme, it seemed like everyone that I went to didn't, or even spoke, spoke to, um, that didn't have Lyme though, that nobody knew what to really do to kind of cure it or help it. So all I knew, and I'm not sure if you guys were on anything else, but was to just be on antibiotics and let, you know, wait for things to just get better. Is there anything else that you guys have been on or had to do to, to make you better? Well, for me, I was on antibiotics. Like once
0: they told me I had Lyme, Mm -hmm. told me to have Lyme. Antibiotics for 21 days, that's exactly, which, you know, what they always give. I felt better because, you know, uh, the Lyme hides when you are on antibiotics. They create this um, biofilm. Oh, yeah. Yes. So you're going to feel better. And this happens to a lot of people while they take antibiotics, they feel better. But then once you're done, which happened to me, I started getting sick again. This, um, a lot of people go on antibiotics for years because it makes them feel better. But at the end, they are destroying their gut flora, their, you know, their immune system. They are doing a lot worse. So they might feel better for a little time. Yes. And in the long run is going to be, you know, so for me, I have always been um, like a very holistic person. Like I always try to go to the natural side of things. So um, after taking the uh, antibiotics for 21 days, I just went on my own like journey of doing a whole bunch of just natural stuff like coffee enemas. Oh,
1: yeah I, I used to do that too I forgot to mention that yeah all yeah. of that yeah <laughs> yes yes
0: uh, like the juice like you said mm-hmm. I took um and always take uh oregano oil of oregano which is a very strong uh, antibi- natural antibiotic and you know like a whole bunch of I just did my own um protocol
1: <laughs> same here Yes. I yes. did the same thing you did. I forgot to mention those, but yeah, those, those, I feel like they help as well. And
2: mm-hmm. T- Tiffany, and- a lot of those herbs you did were helpful as well, right? Because they're not just, they're not just to support your body. They actually will kill viruses and bacteria, the herbs, you know, as, as Rosemary said, a lot of these, these things like oregano can be natural antibiotics or natural antivirals. So mm-hmm. as the antibiotics are killing things off, these herbs can as well. And, you know, you mentioned mushrooms, right? Mushrooms are great to modulate your immune system, to reset your immune system, to behave normally again. So it's working for you, not against you. So a lot of these things together with either antibiotics or a whole, you know, totally natural approach using natural antibiotics are what we see most often on this podcast. And then there are other things like disulfiram, which is uh, an off-label use of a drug that's used for people that suffer from alcoholism, but it helps a lot of people when, when they have really severe Lyme disease. There are other drugs that, you know, antibiotics like Dapsone. There are things like low-dose del- low naltrexone. So there are other options that people have used and tried to use. And it varies from person to person. But, you know, generally speaking, you know, I personally did IV antibiotics because I was so, so sick neurologically. I did IV antibiotics, made this progress, but wasn't much better as far as like my quality of life mm. and natural medicine. And I've, I've done a lot of herbs uh, over the last year and a half. I do. And those have been the most helpful just to keep the level of health and not have to have a relapse and not have to get sick all the time. Cause even after I treated, I was getting sick, you know, many, many, many times a year. If somebody was sick around me, I'd get it right now that I'm on these herbs, knock on what I almost never catch anything. And I'm around sick people all the time now. So they just sort of, they almost build up your body to be stronger and more resilient. So you don't have a relapse and you don't have, you know, you don't catch these other opportunistic things that are going around a bug or a virus or you're on a kid who's in school and now they're sick and you're picking you're getting sick for two weeks right so those are the kind of things that we hear a lot on this podcast but i do want to ask you tiffany about your your relapses because you said you had about two relapses in the last year and you had to use the sauna so when you had these relapses were you as sick as you were initially or were they just some symptoms creeping in that you noticed and you had to then just kind of knock them back down by doing certain things
1: Yeah, I think they were they were creeping in on me because or maybe it was like the start of like the detox because that was a change on my body. So maybe it's just like, hey, I'm lying. I'm going to come up to the surface again and bother you, (laughs) you know, because of these changes in the body. Um, So it happened twice during my detox. And then after I was done, it didn't I don't it didn't really come back again. Um, so I think when your body is under stress or change, that's when things kind of like stir up a little bit. Um, but yeah, it was just those two times, but the worst time was after COVID that, that really just, I, like I said, I couldn't even get up from bed. Um, I couldn't walk down the stairs. My kneecaps were like swollen. It was just pretty, pretty brutal. I wouldn't want anyone to go through that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Talk to us about your detoxes. Because, you know, you said I think you said you were on a, was it a three-month detox? So how aggressive was it, right? Was it like a full-on juice-only diet, right? Some people go really extreme. Some people are more moderate. So I'm curious what you did to detox.
1: Yeah, there's there's phases to it. So like in the beginning, you have to, so instead of doing like three meals a day, you'll go to two and then to one. But in between, there's always like a specific like juicing or smoothies that you have to make. I mean, you're eating fruits all day. And you have to do coffee enemas and you have to do saunas. Um, uh, You have to take, you know, certain baths with like herbs and stuff like that and take vitamins. So it was like full blown. Let me clean my body out completely. Um, And I felt like I needed that between the antibiotics, the prednisone and just my body going through so much. I I felt like a detox was needed. Um, So, yeah, after that, I, I felt like my health has has been really 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 good lately so knock on wood let's hope it's like that <laughs> yeah so this detox where do you
0: find out about it do you is this is actually someone that
1: walk you through it do you had to take a course like oh how- yeah it was uh I found I found her through Instagram. You do have a coach though that you have um, I think it's two two zoom calls a week and they kind of guide you through everything make sure you're feeling okay whatever questions you have they answer but yeah they're they're walking you through it there's a whole packet you have to like follow but it's good because now going forward if I ever feel a little ill I kind of know what to do to, to shorten that, that right okay
0: yeah. that. when it's you guys, Oh, I'm and sorry the, I'm sorry
1: yes I was gonna say when you guys um line flares up for you. How long does it last usually for the both of you? Um, I have lately,
0: well, I have one and it lasts like about a month. A month. Okay. Yes. Um, lately I just been having like, like I would get this neck and back pain mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like, I don't know where. And then it could last, like, three days or to a week. Okay. That's my main concern right now. But I haven't, like, since um, I got, like, really sick, I went to the Dominican Republic. I was there for two months. And um, after that, I've been feeling, you know, a lot better working out. Um, I do feel like the weather for me has a lot to do. So now that it's getting colder, I can kind of feel the my body changing so i'm like trying to like stick to the routine because sometimes you know you get tired of doing the same thing like every day coffee and then my this this like take all these things like you know you're like oh i'm just tired of doing all these things but um you know i feel like um now i have to like really stick to it because i don't want to get like really sick again yeah
2: yeah and, and I feel like there are ways to try to help expedite the process right so if i generally for me it's if i'm exposed to a lot of people that are sick i can feel something get triggered where i'm like all right I've, i'm feeling a little limey, but i'm still like functional i'm not sick right but i just feel some symptoms kind of creep back
1: mm-hmm. and
2: for me that you know i'll call like lifestyle changes that i that i've adopted since being sick and and just extra self care techniques mm-hmm. that means tr- making sure my my sleep is is as tight as possible i'm sleeping as best as I can, and I'm getting a good night's sleep, meaning I'm trying to reduce my stress as much as possible and only focus on the things that I really have to focus on that that will create stress in my life, resting and most importantly, not being hard on myself, Emotion, you know, psychologically, which is hard when you're like, okay, I feel some symptoms creeping back in. Oh, my goodness, here we go again, it's easy to spiral. And Tiffany, yeah. I get the sense that you're just a really positive person. So you're probably the unicorn that you. It seems like you're just a really positive, happy, energetic, you know, person. But for me, sometimes I struggle because I'm like, oh no, I feel this coming on, and and it's a fraction of what it was. You know, it's it's silly, right? Yeah. But um, so showing
1: you out a little bit, right? You get that anxiety. It's like, oh my god, it's yes, like come back again, and I just can't deal with this right now. I got a lot going on, so I get it. It's it's um it's like a battle with your mind too, psychologically. And trying to talk yourself through all of this, you know? So I feel like with anything, whether it was a stroke or the Lyme, the reason why I've gotten better so quickly was like trying to be hopeful, like thinking to myself, like, well, I can't be in this place for too long. So we just need to snap out of it and just keep going, you know, and just hope for the best. (laughs) But it's, it's hard. It's hard mentally.
2: Yeah. I think, I think also for me, one of the biggest things that I was always heat intolerant, that was one of my biggest symptoms with Lyme. But since I've been able to make, you know, some, good progress. I now love, especially like in the summertime, if I was having symptoms come on, I would just go lay out in the sun for an hour and sweat and just like sit there and just like chill out. Right. And just like be happy. And the positive impact I had on my symptoms was insane. Just be laying out in the sun coming back in, taking a shower, and just trying to be happy. It's just, for me, that was a really nice technique. And I think, again, you're sweating, you're detoxing, you're getting blood flowing, you're activating your mitochondria. There's so many studies that talk about grounding and the impact that the earth has on you and your mood and your physical ability to heal. So those are things that I do as well. But so Tiffany, let's focus on the, because you talk, you know, we're talking about my self-help, right? What I do when I feel a flare coming on, what do you do, right? Because in your pre-interview questionnaire, you did tell us that You know, there's, you utilize a lot of self-help and nervous system regulation now, even for your maintenance phase, because you are doing good. You're pretty much symptom-free, but when you have these little flare-ups, you're using self-help and nervous system regulation techniques, and obviously you do detox things on and off. So what does that mean to you when you say self-help and nervous system regulation? Does that mean mindset? Does that mean mantras? Does that mean brain retraining? You know, you know, give us a little more detail on that.
1: I think it's a little bit of everything. Um... So I really love self-help books because I think like some people with sicknesses have had some maybe traumas in the past. Maybe their childhood wasn't the greatest um, or were even our families, like the way they think we kind of take on these specific uh, ways of thinking or habits. So I'm trying to take all the negative things that I've learned or took on like from growing up. Um, or from my environment, and just switching my mindset so that I don't have to, so that I could be more positive. Um, and then, even with the brain, I mean, we have the control to be able to even heal ourselves by just the way we think. Um, that's really hard. So, that's something I'm still like working on. Um, and then, just putting myself first, I think I live a very stressful life because of being a business owner. Um, so, I do put a lot of pressure on myself, and I'm trying to train myself to not be that way, to not get so extra off of the little things just you know take it one day at a time and try to be in a present moment but it takes a lot of training and and like learning about yourself and having self-awareness so um this year especially I I try to do a little bit more therapy um I didn't believe in that at first but then I I gave in I'm like you know what I need to I need to figure this all out and I'm glad I did because it helped me to see how all these years I've kind of been in this um this mode of like um stress is supposed to happen to live. Like I just, you know, if no no stress is happening in my life, then that's not normal. And I just need to control my nervous system because I have, I do have a lot of anxiety. But for me, it just feels like my personality. You know, I don't show it as much, but internally if people just knew how my heart is always racing and how my mind is like all over the place and they would know like this is not normal. We have to be able to control this because when your nervous system is out of whack. That's when you get more sick. That's when you can't fight off diseases. That's when you fall into depression, anxiety. So I'm till this day, you know, trying to just work on controlling my nervous system, trying to remain calm throughout the chaos and just work on me mentally so that everything just kind of flows and falls into place. Because if you get that under control, then your sickness is kind of like dim down.
2: I mean, give us an example, right? Because I think Almost everybody listening to this podcast can appreciate the fact that Lyme puts you into fight or flight with your nervous system. And you have all these wild thoughts and these crazy scenarios. And when you start to come out of fight or flight, you realize how irrational they are because when you're in rest and digest and you have a normal nervous system, you can realize how irrational your thoughts were when you were in fight or flight. But when you're there, you really can't even recognize mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious, like for me, I know I, I can, you know, I, in my own personal experience, I can share some examples, but I want to know for you, Tiffany, Give us an example of, of a way you reacted with stress and anxiousness to a situation that you probably overreacted to. And now, based on the progress you've made, you know, a, a more recent example of some stressor and how you've been able to respond to that in a better way because of all the work you're doing with your nervous system and calming down the fight or flight that was triggered from Lyme.
1: That's a good question. because um, there's just so many moments. But when I think about all right. So when I had the Lyme and Bell's palsy and I just wasn't working, um, I thought that this, i was it's pretty bad, but I thought to myself like, okay, this is it for me. Like, I got to think about closing my shop. Like nobody's ever going to want me ever again because of my face. Um, and I was just in a really dark place. I mean, the things that I was like telling myself was like, come on, like th- that shouldn't have even been a thought. And then I think back, at it now and I just kind of laugh because I'm like wow I was really like sensitive but I mean it you know it makes sense it's a, a big change especially when it comes to your face and like how you feel you know I'm I was 34 and I felt like I was 98 years old like that's how my body felt so you just kind of just get into a negative state but when you look back at it and you think about all that you went through it's like wow I like I won I I beat that so like you know, it all worked out at the end of the day. So you got to be grateful for that.
2: <laughs> and now you're responding to stressors at work much more normally, would you say? So like when you have like yeah, more stressors, you're able to better manage them, right?
1: Yeah, I think I think better. Um, And now it's kind of like I, I used to be. I mean, I kind of have, I'm an Aries, so I'm a little impulsive, but <laughs>
2: I mean, look, we all, we all have stress in our lives. Right. So I'm not <laughs> saying you don't have any stress. I'm not, I'm not trying to make it like, Oh, you're just, you know, never stressing out, but you know, it's, it's not this crazy or, or illogical, like wild, you know, we'll call fight or flight stress that you're going through for the most part.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And if I ever felt like uh, very fiery or like, I'm going to kind of like explode a little bit. <laughs> Um, I've started practicing breathing techniques and it helps a lot. Like I can feel I'll do the breathing techniques and literally just like touch my heart. And I, I feel it like just slowing down. And I think that everyone should try to like incorporate that. I'm going to ask
2: you not to put you on the spot, Tiffany, but just our our listeners can't see us only hear us. But if you can just verbally describe that technique, because for me, breathing techniques have been transformational also. I mean, sometimes I'll detect like, like I, and you you know, we can sense it. I think now I'll detect like, oh my goodness, here come the crazy wild thoughts. I got to calm my nervous system down and I'll do some breathing exercises. And it's insane how quickly that can reverse yeah. My overactivated nervous system, right? So, can you just describe your specific breathing exercises you okay. do, and maybe even just do it with us, real quickly? You know, just kind of walk us through it, if you don't mind.
1: Okay. Um. So one thing I do is, um, you just kind of like sit, regular feet on the ground because you have the ground. Um, I put like my right hand on my heart, and then my left hand on my stomach. Um, And then I take, it's going to be hard because I have to explain, but I take, it's called box breathing. So I would do, depending on how strong your lungs are, but either four to eight second counts of breathing in. So you'll inhale at like, let's, let's start with four. So inhale four. And then when you get to the top, you hold that for four seconds. One, two, three, four. Exhale for four seconds, one, two, three, four. And then hold for four seconds, one, two, three, four. So it's literally like box breathing. So inhale, hold, exhale, hold. Exhale and I, or, um, I usually inhale through my nose and then exhale through my mouth. Yeah, so I inhale through my nose, hold that, and then exhale through my mouth for those seconds. So you can choose. Eight, eight, eight. Which eight, one um, I, sometimes I can't do the eight. I feel like my lungs are not that strong, but eight is the best one. Yeah. If you can hold it for eight seconds, that's, that's great. Um, but yeah, for some reason, when I do that, like right away, I just feel like my heart just kind of slowing down and I just get more grounded in that moment. Is this the one you also do Matt, like similar?
2: I do. Yeah, actually the the, the slight variation I do, and I don't know if this matters and somebody told us this either on the podcast or offline, when i breathe out you want I, you almost breathe out like you're breathing out through a straw it's like almost like imagine you have a straw in your mouth and you kind of like slowly kind of push like like through a straw right and that's i do that occasionally so i'll alternate regular exhaling through my mouth so i inhale through my nose and exhale through my mouth but sometimes i almost like visualize and like like make my lips in a position where i'm breathing out through a straw and i mean those techniques are just awesome for me you know it's it's wild and if you told me this 5 years ago tiffany rosemary's album like You're crazy. These techniques are stupid. Right. And now I'm like, oh my goodness, they've changed my life, you know?
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. I thought the same thing. I'm like, oh breathing techniques, that's boring. I don't want to be like I I I breathe every day and I don't feel (laughs)
2: like
1: the good thing is it doesn't take long. You just need like a minute to do it and it already like does its work. So I think it's important for people to learn about that.
2: And you can do it anywhere I, i've literally done it in the car right if you sometimes I'm, I'm telling you i can be driving and then okay let me just do this real quick and i'm like wow i feel so much better i can do it i'll be sitting in a, in a virtual meeting and nobody knows you can do it in a virtual meeting at work right i mean it's just you can you can it's just so cool you can do it anywhere you need to it's you know there's no you don't need anything other than your body right to do this so it's a very powerful technique i have to so when, when it comes to this stuff with your nervous system is there anything else tiffany you've done because you've given us some really great advice here with your nervous system and your self-help when you read these self-help books, besides the box breathing, is there anything else, even just techniques, right, that you're doing to help with your nervous system, to help with you getting your body back into a state of calm and rest?
0: Do you work out, Stephanie? I know you mentioned yoga. Is that the only type of um, body, you know, workout you do? Uh,
1: no, not necessarily. Yoga helps me to relax the most and control my mental state. Uh, and then uh, working out, like, at the gym is more of a release for me a stress release. So I do both. Yeah, I do. I work out in and, and well, yoga, I kind of stopped a little bit because I've been busy, but I try to do both. I think it's a good, good thing mm-hmm. for me personally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's- and then, Matt, as far as like, um, what I've learned, like for self-help, I really, I mean, the brain is so amazing, but sometimes it, it sounds crazy, but sometimes you have to like, when you have these thoughts in your mind or they're just out of control, you have to talk to it like it's almost someone else in your mind. So sometimes mm-hmm. I'll say to myself, all right, Tiffany, you, you have to, you have to relax a little bit here. Like, and then I kind of like walk through it and just try to be aware of what I'm feeling. Like I'm feeling sad today. Why do I feel sad today? And just, you know, just say it's okay. Like we're human and we all have feelings, but there's like, you have to kind of like self-parent yourself as well self-soothing, like the way you speak to yourself and the way you think, like we have to try to not be so hard on ourselves. And it's hard because, you know, all our life, this is how we've been, but sometimes you just need to talk to the little person in your head as like someone else and kind of like walk them, walk them through or like treat them. Like what I learned in therapy is about inner child, like, like talking to them, like they're your inner self like be calm, like it's okay, little Tiffany, you're gonna be okay, we're gonna get through this, like you have to talk to it, like it's literally another person, Um, but it's helped me a lot, it really has.
2: Tiffany, my final question before Rosemary picks up and concludes with you and talks to you about exactly where you are today and asks her fun final question on this podcast, I wanna ask you about another thing you talked to us about in your pre-interview questionnaire. You mentioned that you need to find a support system and you have to work on yourself mentally, emotionally, and physically, because it can tear you down if you don't. And that was really powerful when I read that on your questionnaire, because I think that's kind of what we're talking about. If you don't work on yourself, and it's not just, we're not saying it's all in your mind, right, because people, so many people in the Lyme community are told you're crazy, it's all in your head, it's psychological, we're gonna put you in a psych ward. Like Allie Hilfiger was literally institutionalized in a psych ward, turned out to be Lyme disease and she got better. But this is something that's really traumatizing in the Lyme community. So in no way, shape or form or any of us saying that this is all in our heads. However, the work we do, with our mindset and the psychological work we do and our nervous system work we do can help us in aid and support in healing, right? So I think they all are necessary steps to healing from Lyme disease, mentally, emotionally, and physically. Otherwise, they'll tear you down. So if you could just give us a little more information about how that impacted your life, right? And talk to us a little bit more about that topic. And if you can expand upon that, and then I'm going to hand it over to Rosemary, because I know I've, I've talked way too much already, but you're just brilliant. And I enjoy talking to you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Um, so yeah, with Lyme, it's easy to fall into depression or with any sicknesses, like when you're not feeling your best self, it really does control everything in your body, whether it's your mind or your heart having anxiety, or even your gut, because you're not like resting, you're not calm. So I think it's important to like really put ourselves first and find ways you know, maybe like for instance, the breathing techniques have been really helpful. Maybe it might not work for you, but at least give it a try and see if that does anything that can keep us at a very like balanced state. Because if we're balanced and we're grounded, I feel like that's when less problems happen. And if we can control that, then we can control our illnesses. So whether that's self-help or yoga or meditating or visualizing or journaling has been also very helpful for me, or just talking to somebody, just, you have to put yourself first and I don't think nobody should feel ashamed about that. We're human and we all have a story to tell. And, you know, that's just how life is and it's completely normal. So that's what I have to say about that. (laughs) So Tiffany uh,
0: today, where will you say that you are, uh, you know, from one to a hundred percent, where do you feel you are right
1: now? One to a hundred. I feel like I'm like maybe 75, 80. Um, Just because there are some things I think I need to work on. But I like today, I feel like I'm in a really good place, like mentally, physically with my health. So I'm just so grateful for that. So when I'm in a good place, I just kind of capitalize on that. Like I'm good today and this is how it's going to be forever. Even though, you know, with life, there's ups and downs and you're not going to have a good, you know, I might, tomorrow I might just feel like crap. And then the next day after I might feel good. But I think at this point, I'm, I'm probably in 75, 80. And that's, that's good for me. And um,
0: do you feel like, your social life before, was it like a lot? Did it, uh, went down or are you back again to
1: having like a normal social life? I'm, I think I'm back again. I'm I'm getting around to it before because I was so sick. I would, I mean, I would never, never go out. And then I got to a place where I like almost felt like I had social anxiety because I remember going out after So many months of not doing anything that when I actually went out, I was like, I need to leave now because I just I was like panicking. I I felt like I had social anxiety. So Mm -hmm. now um, it's like the first time in a long time where I'm actually like planning things on weekends and linking up with friends. And it feels really, really good. Really good.
0: (laughs) That's awesome.
1: So um,
0: I am not going to ask you because, you know, you have no kids, no husband. Do you live by yourself? I do. Yeah. You have no one to come to you with a take on them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to ask you if there was one, one advice that you could give to someone that come to you with already a Lyme diagnosis, what would that
1: be? Advice? Um, They have to change their diet and their lifestyle. Yeah. Um, I would say, obviously, eating more healthier, maybe just changing the way they normally eat, um, avoid fried foods. I would, you know, encourage like coffee enemas and a ton of vitamins. And of course, you know, I'll, I will tell them uh, this is going to be a difficult journey psychologically. Um, and just know that there are people out here that, that want to help like you guys, um, <laughs> there are people out there. So I would help, you know, guide them to, to finding, you know, pages to to follow or people to speak to, but I would definitely just be there um, as a source to be able to, to have them come to me if they have any questions and let them know that they're not alone. That's one thing I wish. That I had um, because the circle was small of people having Lyme around me. But then when I started looking on Facebook and Instagram, that's when certain pages popped up. And then it made me feel like, okay, you're not alone. So when you have Lyme and you're at a really bad place, I think it's really, really important to let people know that they are not alone and that will help you through your process.
0: Yes. And that there's hope.
1: <laughs> there is hope. Yes. Yes.
2: <laughs> well, Tiffany Perez, Rosemary Strip. I called you Rosemary. I'm sorry. Rosemary's <laughs> Australia. Everybody knows I butchered name, So I apologize in advance. But yes. Rosemaris Australia. Wow. Tiffany Perez. <laughs> thank you so much for joining the Tick Camp podcast and teaching me so much. And I know you're going to teach thousands of people so much who listen to this podcast. So again, thank you both for taking time out of your busy days to come on the Tick Camp podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank
0: you, Ma, for giving me the opportunity to be here as a co-host. Host. I am honored. Thank you so much. And like, um, it is a pleasure to help others because we know how difficult this can be. Yes. Thank you everyone for listening to our Tick Camp interview with our guest, Tiffany Perez. To our listeners, we have all call to action. First, if you like to learn more about Tiffany, please check out her Instagram at Tiffany Tattoos with a Z. Second, if you have enjoyed this episode of the Tick Camp podcast, please share it with your friends on social media. We will greatly appreciate it. And third, Tick Camp has created a TickBite blueprint that has been inspired by the information that has been shared with us by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at teakbootcamp.com slash bite to view the blueprint. And fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to get our automatic episode updates or Tick Bootcamp Podcasts. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review on your podcast platform of choice. And finally, if you would like to search our podcast library over 300 episodes, subscribe to our email list, or share feedback, please visit our website at tibucap.com. Thank you, as always, for listening.